0: So we are, over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be doing a little Bible study together. Does that sound all right? Someone said yay. Was that you, Carrie? She's excited to study the Bible. That's good. Um, The next few weeks are a bit complicated, aren't they? There's bank holidays, people are away, we're here, there, and everywhere. Uh, So I wanted to encourage all of us to kind of ground us together um, over these sort of next few weeks Uh, to really get plugged in together and we're going to read one Peter together, Um, Peter's first letter. Uh, So that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. So that means that if you uh, miss a week or you're away, uh, make sure to catch up online. Uh, Everything that we uh, do here at 10am goes up on YouTube so you can always catch up. Uh, But let me encourage you uh, to go away and to spend this month reading one Peter. Uh, in your own personal time, in your quiet time, I'm giving you homework to do, uh, please go away and read it. Uh, it's a gr- really great one, really easy one to read, um, and we're going to be journeying through it over the next uh, few weeks. So here we are, one Peter. Um, let me give you a little bit of background on what this is all about and where we're all at, and then we'll, we'll dig into it. So who's Peter? Which Peter are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about Simon Peter, uh, Jesus' close friend, uh, the one where Jesus changed his name uh, to Kephas, uh, meaning rock. Jesus promised that uh, Peter would become a leader uh, to guide the, uh, the apostles, to guide the disciples in Jerusalem through their earliest years uh, of being the church. And Jesus said about Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And that's what happened And if you go back and read the beginning of Acts, you'll see that story play out. But eventually, Peter's mission extended beyond Israel and uh, into the wider Roman world. And as Peter writes this letter, um, he's in Rome. And this letter was sent to quite a few different uh, church communities in Asia Minor, which is kind of uh, modern-day Turkey. Uh, And these are communities mostly who were facing persecution. Uh, So that's the context that Peter is writing into. Peter's writing to these churches to encourage them in the midst of their suffering and their persecution. So I'm going to read to us this morning from 1 Peter 1. I'm going to start at verse 13. uh, And it's good to have it open in front of you uh, as we go through, if you're up for that. So 1 Peter 1 from verse 13. Therefore And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for Peter and for his journey in leading the churches. And we thank you for the wisdom that he wrote that we get to dive into today. So Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to our hearts as we think together about holiness. Come and guide us and lead us, we pray. Amen. Amen. So yeah, I'm going to talk to us a little bit about holiness this morning. Peter is writing to encourage the church. This letter is designed for the purposes of encouragement. But this definitely isn't a fluffy kind of keep going, you'll be fine kind of letter. What Peter's doing in this letter is he's reminding the early church of their identity and he's reminding them within that of the standard of holiness that they are called to within that identity. And holiness is a huge thing. It's a big idea. And sometimes we can reduce the idea of holiness, can't we, down to uh, being good because God wants me to be. Uh, you know, doing, some, doing good stuff because God wants me to but when we think of holiness that, that way, it's easy for us to reduce it and to think, well, I'm not that bad. And like, maybe you might come to a moment of confession when we pray uh, in our services each week and think, I can't even think of anything to confess this week. Like, I'm not that bad. Um, but holiness is much bigger ...than the good stuff we think we ought to do... uh, ...because God has said so. Um, I was watching uh, a video by by the Bible Project on holiness. I'd really recommend you go watch it on on YouTube. Um, And there's an amazing analogy as part of their idea of, of holiness. And it's thinking of God like the sun. The sun in the sky. That sun. And that the holiness of God... ...is radiant out from the person of God... In a similar way to the heat from the sun, that even the sun, the heat from the sun, uh, it feeds us, it sustains life on our planet, we could live without it, but if we get too close to it, we're annihilated. And it's the same, this, the same idea of like scriptural holiness, the holiness of God. God is so good. God is so holy that that resonates out into the earth and it sustains us. And God's holiness gives us and feeds us life. But as people who are fallen and broken, if we get too close to God's holiness, we can't get near it. But we know, don't we, that the story of the gospel, the amazing story of what Jesus did on the cross, is that we are able to enter into God's presence despite our sin, despite our brokenness, because Jesus has given us that access because of his death and resurrection. And that is what we're talking about when we think about holiness, God's incredible holiness that radiates out. And because of the cross, each one of us are called to be people that radiate God's holiness. And so when Peter here is talking about our call to holiness, he's not just talking about being good. He's talking about each of us taking seriously our call to be people who radiate God's holiness in the world. That people might pick up on it. And understand more of what God is like. So there's a few different things through this passage that I wanted to uh, sort of just pick up on. And the first one was uh, verse 13 where it says, Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Peter is encouraging the church, encouraging these people uh, who are Gentiles, who've come to faith, who are sort of getting to grips with what it looks like to be people who follow Jesus, to be mentally and kind of morally prepared for Jesus to return again. And this phrase, be alert and sober, is a really interesting one. Uh, and I wanted to kind of dig into the, this idea of sobriety for a minute, uh, because I've been reading this, this amazing book uh, by Rich Velodas. Uh, it's called The Deeply Formed Life, um, or something like that. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Uh, it's an amazing book, and actually I've re- been reading it over a number of months. I've kind of been like going back to it um, And he talks about this idea of sobriety. He says this, the practice of sobriety is not just for people in drug or sex rehab programs. It's for all of us. Sobriety is intrinsically connected to truthfulness and to transparency. Transparency. There's this call in this letter that Peter has written to each of us to be alert and sober as we wait for Jesus' coming. And what Rich Valodas is talking about in his book is this element of sobriety which is about honesty. It's about all of us admitting that we are powerless and putting aside our pretense of strength. That's how he puts it. Oh, that hits really deep for me. Putting aside our pretense of strength. Putting aside the fact that we, each of us, pretend to be people who've got it together, who are strong, who can handle it. Sobriety is about being honest with ourselves, with God, and with one another, within the safety of community, that we haven't got it together. So he calls us to that, that honesty that comes from sobriety So it's honesty with each other, with God, and with our community, and also a call to take confession in prayer really seriously. You know, each week, I've talked about it already today, each week in our our service together we create a moment for confession, for each of us to come before God again and say, I've messed it up in all these different ways. And every week, don't we, when we take communion together, we say the Lord's Prayer together. And we say to God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in that moment, we're not not asking God not to tempt us. What we're doing is we're saying, God, we are weak. We're confessing again. We're being honest with him that we are weak and we can't do this stuff without him. Dallas Willard says, when we pray that prayer, it's a vote of no confidence in our own abilities. The heart of a sober person is one who repeatedly reminds themselves, I'm not as strong as I think or as I say I am. And that's an amazing challenge for each one of us, isn't it? That Peter places on us, be alert and sober. Let's be people who are honest with one another uh, in the safety of the community that we have as part of the family of the church. That we are weak and we can't do it without him. But there is great power in confessing that to God and to one another. Interestingly, the uh, kind of outpouring of the Holy Spirit that has been going on um, in Ashbury over in America, it's been characterised by this call to repentance and to confession, to this sense that as we come into the presence of God, we need to continually remember to get right with him as we do that. And here in 1 Peter, we can sort of see why. You know, we're called to this alert and sober life. And when we do that, we're being called into this attitude of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus as we look to the hope that we have in what he has done and that he's going to come again and bring all things back to himself. So, be alert and sober. And then in, in verse 16, well, 15 and 16, just as, he who is called, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And like I said at the beginning, holiness is about so much more than just being good. Holiness is about a family resemblance. Holiness is about each of us looking like children of God to the world. That quote that, uh, one Peter, write, that Peter writes, uh, Be holy because I am holy, that's from, uh, from Leviticus. That, uh, that whole amazing collection of commands from God to the people of Israel. And now what Peter is doing is he's reminding these Gentiles that he's writing, these people who have not grown up in the Jewish faith, uh, but who have come to faith in Jesus, that they are included in the story of God's people, the Israelites. And just as those people were called to holiness, the holiness of God, so too are they and so too are we. We are the children of God and he is our father. They and we have been born again into this incredible family. And Peter is encouraging the people that he's writing to, encouraging us into obedience as God's children. He's encouraging them not to revert back to their previous ways of being, but to remember everything that they've known now in Jesus and to continue to remember it and to continue to hold that in high regard and follow him. And it reminds me a bit of, um, you shouldn't talk about your children too much when you're preaching, uh, but it's made me think a little bit about um, my angel second daughter, Phoebe, uh, who I love deeply. And um, she, I really do, she's amazing. Uh, Get to know her if you don't. Uh, recently, uh, I asked her if I could share the story with you, and the deal is I have to buy her a chocolate bar. Um, <laughs> Phoebe, uh, one of the challenges that she has had recently uh, is sitting, she's four just to give you context, uh, is sitting at the table during dinner time. Uh, she eats fine, but she finds it really difficult to sit at the table and stay at the table while she eats her meal. So a while ago, uh, we've never really done the sticker chart thing uh, with our kids before. You know, that's the thing where uh, you sort of give them a sticker to reward them for a particular behavior, which decided right. This is the right thing to do the sticker chart thing with. So we bought her a Paw Patrol sticker chart. And some poor Patrol stickers. It doesn't get better than that when you're four, I don't think. Um, and we stuck it on the fridge. Uh, and the rule was, if you stay at the table when you're eating your meal until you've asked to get down, and we say you can get down, then you can put a sticker on your chart. And it worked really, really well. Uh, and she loved it. She loved sticking the stickers on her chart. Uh, she doesn't realise this, but she was quite short-changed. Because I think the deal is, once you get a certain number of stickers, you're supposed to get a prize. But the reward was just like sticking the sticker on the chart. That was enough for her. So don't tell her. Um, uh, but it worked really, really well. Uh, and so uh, for a long time then, after that, she was able to just sit at the table really, really well and enjoy um, her... Well, sometimes enjoy her meal with us. Uh, and uh, But she was able to stay at the table. Um, but every now and again... Sometimes, still, uh, she forgets that she's supposed to stay at the table until she asks that she can get down. She gets a bit wriggly in her seat, uh, and she sort of tries to get down or scurry off or whatever. Um, and she's only four, so I understand that that's a thing. Uh, but all we have to do is say to her, Oh Phoebe, remember the sticker chart when we did the sticker chart thing? Remember how good you were at that? And remember now, you know how to sit at the table, don't you? And she goes, oh yeah, oh yeah, I do. And she sits back at the table. And I think that's a little bit like what Peter is doing here, that he writes in his letter. He's saying, hey, remember when you met Jesus? Remember when he called you into this incredible life that you didn't know before? Don't forget that. You know, don't get down from the table and scurry off and go back to the way that you were living before. Just remember Just remember what Jesus has done. It's still true. So live like it is. Let's hold together that family resemblance of what it looks like to be his children. To be obedient children uh, who live like we are his family. So there you go, Phoebe gets a chocolate bar. And then verse 25. The word of the Lord endures forever. How can we be sure of what this holiness that we are called to actually practically looks like for us day to day? Well, it's when we're in the word of God that the pursuit of holiness and what it looks like continues to be revealed to us. We're reminded again and again of what it looks like to be holy people. And really we know, don't we, that the command is that we love one another. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, says Peter. The word of the Lord endures forever. And so we know, we know that really, don't we? We know what we have to do. We know what holiness looks like because Jesus has told us, Jesus said when he's asked what the greatest commandment is, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We know really, don't we? That's, that's practically what holiness looks like. But we need each time to feed ourselves with the word. And when we're doing that, we're not surprised to find that holiness looks like loving God and loving others. And then Peter goes into a little bit more uh, depth to remind us of what that might look like a little bit. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of any kind. Basically, don't slag each other off. Don't be horrible to each other. Don't talk behind each other's back. Don't be nice to people to their face and horrible to them behind their back. That is the standard of holiness that Peter is reminding each one of us that we are called to as a family, called to as a community, as we're called to this family resemblance. That is what it looks like to be his children, to be his people. And he says this, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Saying you've tasted it, you've seen it, you know how good God is now, you've met Jesus and your lives have been changed But continue to feed on his word that you might be nourished and grow up in in the faith. Many of you will know that newborn babies drink milk little and often and with real urgency and real desperation. I'm sure many of you have uh, dealt with an urgent newborn baby that needs feeding and they let you know about it very quickly. A newborn's whole life is postured towards that milk and not much else. And Peter here is urging the believers, urging us to hunger for that word of God in the same way that newborn infants hunger for milk. Intensely and eagerly, our whole lives postured towards it. And Peter gives us this reminder. That is the word of God that enables us to grow in our experience of the fullness of salvation that we have received. Maybe the band might want to come up and join me at this point. We need to crave together what is good for us, what nourishes us, that pure spiritual milk pure spiritual milk that's not mixed with anything, not diluted by anything, not had anything added to it. We're being called into a life of uh, seeking this pure spiritual milk, not a, a spiritual junk food diet, but purity in him as we seek a life of holiness together. Why don't we stand together if you're able to? In this pursuit of holiness, we're reminded to be people who are alert and sober as we wait for the coming of Jesus again. And that practice of sobriety, that honesty with one another, with God, about where we're at, about our own weakness. We know that we're people who are called to be holy to have that family resemblance, to look like obedient children of God, that our holiness might reflect God's holiness in the world. What a high call, what an amazing call. And we know that in the ups and downs of life and our emotions, all people are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field, but the the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So we thank you, God, that in our pursuit of holiness together as a family, you have given us your word. That when we feel confident in this stuff or when we feel like we're failing all the time, your word endures We can be reminded of what it looks like to be holy people, people who love you and who love our neighbours. Holy Spirit, would you come and meet us in this moment? We want to be people who are alert and sober as we wait for you. in this moment take our call to confession really seriously because we know that we're in the context of God's grace that has been won for us at high cost by Jesus on the cross let's acknowledge our weakness acknowledge that we can't do it by ourselves. allow the Holy Spirit to flood in as we make space for him by giving over to God all of the things that challenge us and cause us anxiety, all of the things that we have done and said which we regret or things that we haven't done or haven't said which we should have and there is power in confession we don't have to be afraid of it You, Lord Jesus for your goodness and your mercy. And would you help us Holy Spirit as we give over these things to you, these things that have separated us from our pursuit of holiness. Would you just remind us afresh this morning of the joy that it is to be called into a life with you. To be called into a life of holiness, of loving you faithfully, and of reaching out in love to other people. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you Lord. sing a song of worship together before we come and take communion.